No, Celebration Sunday, it's a chance for us to say thank you. You are the church. Anytime you hear me say church this morning, know that I'm talking about you as the people, not these walls and seats and floors and ceilings. It's you as the church. And we've been going through this series, All the Family Feels, that focuses on our families. And this morning, what I want us to look at is our families, but also in the context of our church family. We've been talking a lot about how God leads us in our families, and even this last week, Becky and I, we took the kids, we had our little together vacation, we practiced what we preach, it's important to be together, so we got away this last week, and I noticed something while we were gone, while we were on our trip, we went to Disney World, and we're still recovering, yes, from that trip, but when we went, some of you have been there, yes, you know how it works, I've noticed something. And this isn't just with Disney, but with all, all trips and things that we do together, the more we're around one another, we always kind of have these highs and lows and everywhere in between. So for example, man, it really was a great trip. They say the, the happiest place on earth. We would agree. We had just a great time. In fact, that's us very first day, very beginning of the morning. First thing. And you know that's important, right? Because we wouldn't have been able to get this picture too, further, too much further into our trip. And I did something I swore I would never do, matching t-shirts. <laughs> I got talked into it. So the very first day, early in the morning, we got our smiling picture with all five of us because we knew if we didn't do it, then it wouldn't happen at all the rest of the trip. And as you know, as you know, finally we get to this point that I would just describe as pure exhaustion. Pure exhaustion, we're just... How much longer can we do it? That was like 10 minutes after our first picture. No, I'm just kidding. It was still that first day, if I remember right. Just tired and, and just hearing everybody, parents included, I don't know how much more of this we can do. Right? You just get tired, and that happens in our families. Right? We have these great everybody smiling and matching t-shirt moments, and then we have, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Something has to change. But then you also experience not just the exhaustion. At some point, we all experience this in our families where it's just the meltdown moment, where I am not going to do this anymore. Not I can't do this anymore, but I cannot do this anymore. Now, here's what you need to know about that picture. First of all, she did not look like that when we got on the ride. I just need to make sure that's very clear. I did not drag her on the ride kicking and screaming. We did drag her around kicking and screaming in some other areas, but not on that one. But by the time we sat down to do the teacups, she was screaming. I said, no, 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 no. We waited in line way too long. We will do this. Ride. You will enjoy this ride whether you like it or not. And she obviously did not like it at all. Great trip, good times of just being together. But if you've noticed this in your own family and just with the people around you, the more you're together with somebody, the more you experience all of those, right? You love the, the pretty smiling face picture of everybody together. But then we also experience, if you're with somebody long enough, if you're together long enough, you experience all these other emotions of exhaustion and meltdowns and disappointments and discouragements and frustrations. And we've talked a lot about those in our families. But it's not just our families. I also wanna talk about it in the context of our church family because if there is a key word for this morning, if you wanna write this down, the key word is together. Say together with me. Together. Together, the idea of being with one another. And yes, the more you're together with other people, the more you experience all those other things that we talked about, but there's still so much joy, so much power, so much life that comes from just being together. 
Jesus knew that. He knew the importance of being together. In fact, when you read through the Gospels, you hear how he met people right where they were at, and he changed lives and did miracles, did all these great things. Then we read about him going to the cross, dying for our sins, three days later coming back to life and starting to prepare his followers that, hey, I'm about to go to heaven, and I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you alone alone. He understood the importance of togetherness in our personal lives, in our family lives, but also in the life of what we would now call his church, his followers. So before he left to go into heaven, he said, I'm going, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to, in fact, give you two people, two groups to be around. First is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us and the Holy Spirit that leads us. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom and insight and discernment. That gut feeling you get, right? It's the, the, what we, some people might call a conscience. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you through life and following God. So Jesus didn't leave us alone. No, we get to work together with the Holy Spirit. Then he also said you have each other. That's the church. And again, when I say church, I'm talking about us as people. Not the walls, but the group of people. The body of beliefs. They said you need one another. You need to be together with one another. My son's been practicing since yesterday, <laughs> just so we're clear. We need to be together with one another. So what does that look like? What does it look like for our family to be involved with the church family? And how important is that? If you've got your Bibles, head over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, if you're familiar with Scripture in this part, you know that Acts is the beginning of the church and starts to tell the stories of the early church. And Acts 2 is the very beginning of the church starting. So if we want to study the church and make sure that we're still lining up with what Jesus intended for the church. And again, we're not perfect, but can we at least line up with what Jesus intended the best that we possibly can to see that, wow, we are doing what Jesus desired us to do. Be together with the same mindset and the same focus. Let me start in verse 41 because this kind of sets up how the church began. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41, Peter just gave this great sermon telling everybody about Jesus, that he died, he's back again, that people needed to follow him. And here's the response, verse 41. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. We'll do that next week. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So now you have a bunch of these new believers, a bunch of people that are claiming to follow Jesus, and now they're also saying, what are we supposed to do now? <laughs> we love Jesus, we're following Jesus but what does it look like in our everyday life? How do we walk this thing out following Jesus? And that's where the church began because they needed one another because they wanted to be together. And Jesus understood the importance of us being together. Verse 42. Now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, let's go ahead and put this up on the screen and I'm gonna give you a job as we go through this part of scripture, right? So did you notice that there's a few words that are bolded in a different color in all caps. Can you see that from where you're sitting? Hopefully. I don't know how to make it any more clear for you. All right, good. Now, I'm just saying, pressure's on. 8.15 and 9.30 service had no problem doing this. So step it up, 11 o'clock. Here we go. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna read through it, but every time we get to one of those words that's bolded in in all caps, I want you to read that word. Okay, and you'll notice there's a theme in all those words that are highlighted. So do you get your part? You know what you're supposed to do? Nod and shake like you understand. All right, good. Let's see how you will. Make sure you say your part. Here we go. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. 
Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you pick up on everything? You did okay. <laughs> did you pick up on the theme there? It's all, they, their, everyone, together. Together even used multiple times throughout that, 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 that insight into the early church. They did life together. You could almost start to break up the different parts of what they did together. Even the very beginning, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, fellowship, breaking of bread, to prayer, what we might almost call nowadays like that spiritual discipline side of things. How to grow in your faith, studying God's word, discussing it with somebody else, praying, leaning into your relationship with God. Right? Then you also have all these other people that they're interacting with. I love that it says that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. So it wasn't just people inside the church that they were focused on. They were focused on their community, the people around them as well. Whether they ever interacted with them in this setting or not, they loved on people. People, people, people. Over and over and over again, you hear what they did. They gave up things so that others could have. They served together. They worked together. They just enjoyed being around one another. They ate together. If you really want to boil it down to even more simple language, the early church and what we as a church continue, should continue to be, really comes down to two things. The church should, because it's how it was started, the church should always be all about Jesus and people. That's it. That's not overcomplicated. I mean, there's a lot that sure goes into church, I get that, but at its, at its root, it's not intended to be complicated. That we, because that's how Jesus set it up, we should always be all about Jesus and people. So how do we stay focused on that? I mean, it's pretty cool that we get to be part of something, in us, part of something that is thousands of years old, but continues to stay focused on the same thing. I love that. That the early church was focused on Jesus and people, and here, over 2,000 years later, this little church in Dawsonville, Georgia, is still doing the same thing, focused on Jesus and people. Churches around the world continue to be focused on Jesus and people. So how do we make sure that that continues? Right? If, if we as a church, a body of believers, say we want to continue to be the church that Jesus has called us to be, how do we make sure that we stay focused and in line? Now, if you work in an organization or a business, they do that by having mission, vision, values. Right? We even talked about this a few weeks ago. Same thing for us as a local church. Mission, vision, values keep us focused on what God has called us to stay focused on. So on Celebration Sunday, when we're celebrating all God's done through you as the church, that this would be a good time to just either remind you of what our mission, vision, values are for some of you that have no idea to enlighten you and let you know, hey, here's how we stay focused so that we don't get off track in who we are and who God has called us to be. So our mission is very simple. Why we exist, why we do what we do is this, to lead people to fully follow Jesus. That's it. Shocker for a church, I know. <laughs> to lead people to fully follow Jesus. Now, what does it look like to be a fully follower of Jesus? No clue. I'm not there yet. Let you know when we get there. The idea is it's that next step. And we use that language a lot to help you find where you're at so you can take that next step. When we read through the gospels, Jesus did this perfectly, of course. He would meet somebody where they were at and he would say, here's your next step. And he would love them right where they were at, full of love, full of grace, but also full of truth and say, here's your next step. 
Here's your next step. And as a church, that's what we want to continue to be for one another. And we meet people right where they're at. We say, but here's the next step. And here's the next step. And individually, but also collectively as a church, we continue to follow Jesus in our personal lives and in the life of our church, to be that fully follower of Jesus. In all of our environments, and kids and students, right here with adults, when we do groups, the whole point is that we might take those next steps to become more of a fully follower of Jesus. Now, like I said, some of those next steps are a church as a whole, but some of those steps are individually for you personally or you and your family. So let me talk just briefly about one of those big next steps. It's not the only next step, but one of those big next steps for us holistically as a church. We talked about this on Vision Night a couple weeks ago. If you weren't able to be there, I wanted to make sure that I caught you up a little bit today. Here's one of those next steps. If we want to keep leading people to fully follow Jesus, what do we need to do as a church as a whole to help make that happen or make it more, uh, make more opportunities happen in that direction? So you ready to see something brand new? Ready, excited for this? All right, I hope you're excited. If you were here on Vision Night, you saw draft one. We are now on draft two. Got this right when I got back from vacation. The only people that have seen this are my team in 815 and 930. If you ever want to get something first, you got to be at the 815. That's okay. So here's draft two of one of those next steps for us as a church. Again, don't forget the why so that we can continue to lead people to fully follow Jesus. So here is draft two of what we are looking to do with our facility. Super excited. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, as I kind of walk you through this, this is not the end all. Bricks don't excite me. Sticks and stones and chairs and ceilings don't excite me. What excites me is the opportunities that we have to lead people to fully follow Jesus. That's why we do this. So let me kind of walk you through a little bit of what this looks like. This area right here that you see on draft two of the floor plan, that's where we are sitting right now. Itty bitty little space. Yes, so the section that we occupy currently as a church is this whole section here. That is only one-third of the entire facility that, that is on this property. So what we are, are looking at, what the architects have been helping us with, is take the current auditorium that seats 245 in here. We're going to be able to have an auditorium that's a little over 600 chairs once we get in that back side. You'll see the entries on the side. Right now, it's right here, but we'll move it on the side. That's over, over here, kind of where that loading dock is. Restrooms, all the not exciting stuff. Here's what I'm really excited about, just as far as the opportunity we have to see more life change happen. So this whole section here is all kids. Here's a student auditorium, ready for this, students, with a ceiling, which we're excited about. For those of you that don't think that's exciting, walk over to our student room after service and look up and you'll know what I'm talking about and why it's a big deal that we get them a ceiling. So student auditorium is here. This door here is a secure check-in so that the only people that are allowed in that kid's area are kids and parents. So we can keep kids secure the best that we possibly can. Very excited about that. Couple things to highlight for you because you're not gonna be able to read this. These are what we're super excited for. And again, it's not about the, the space. It's about the opportunity we have for more ministry and more life change. There's a lot of legitimate issues we run into with the space that we have. We are legitimately out of space. That's why we do three services and different things and we try to work around it. But there's a lot of things we just physically cannot do. We have limitations. So things that we will be able to do that we currently cannot do, one that I'm most excited for is right here. You can't read it, but this allows us to have a special needs ministry because we can now have a sensory room specifically for special needs kids. Love that we're going to be able to do that. The other thing to highlight is 
like I said, here's our student environment, our student auditorium. This is the K through three, our younger elementary auditorium, and this would be the fourth and fifth grade auditorium. The reason that's important is right now they have rooms. We don't have auditoriums for them, which means we don't give them great opportunities to do what we just did worship and interact with one another and have a little bit more room to play, but then also still have these here are all the classrooms that they can still break up into. We believe small groups is a great learning environment for those kids in those age groups. So right now, it's difficult for us to have large group, small group. We do it, but it's not very, well, we do the best that we can. Much better ability to do large groups in those auditoriums and then the small groups there. Up here is all the pre-K, our preschool. You just saw um, some baby dedications this morning. We had several at the 9.30. Though, for whatever reason, a lot of babies are being born in Dawson County, apparently. So no clue why I'll let you speculate on that one. But we need more room for our preschool, uh, those age groups as well. So a lot of cool things. I won't bore you with all of it. But the point is, we have an opportunity to continue some next steps to continue to lead people to fully follow Jesus. So let me ask you, here's the next step for you as, as a church, right? So we still have a ways for that. The lease for the tenant in the back ends in March of 21. So we still have a good runway to be praying, to be planning, to be fundraising, do all kinds of things that we need to do to get ready for that moment where we move in. But starting now, I asked it at our vision night. I'll keep asking it till the day we move in. Pray with me this prayer. We believe God's not done with us yet. And so the prayer is, God, would you continue to lead us and we will commit to following you every single step of the way. I don't want to be ahead of God, and I most certainly don't want to be too far behind him. I want to be right on his heels for where he's leading us. I want that for my personal life and in my family. I want that for your personal life and your family. And I most certainly want that in the life of our church. That we would follow God as he leads us and we would follow every single step of the way. I've got a little prayer card for you if you want to put that on a nightstand or in your car or on a mirror or something. Let that be that constant prayer. God, we believe you're not done with us yet. So would you continue to lead us? And we commit to following you every step of the way. That's one thing that God is doing that is gonna allow us to better and, and with more folks. Again, it's not about filling seats. It's not about getting bigger. It's about leading people to fully follow Jesus. Now, in your personal lives, what does that look like? That's one of the next steps for our church, but what about a next step for you? If you go through the book of Acts, you hear a bunch of things. There's fellowship, there's teaching, there's prayer, there's togetherness, there's sold property, there's helping people in need. There's a lot of things that were happening. What's your next step? What does it look like for you to be a follower of Jesus that is fully following Jesus? Again, the only way you get there is by taking one step at a time. You don't jump in, right? We don't even know what all that looks like. It's okay. Here's where I'm at. Let's take a next step. So do this with me. Let me show you some next steps here on this card right there on the seat back in front of you. If you've been here a while, you hear me talk about it a lot and you're like, why does he always bring it up? I'll tell you. If you're here for the first time, you look at it and you're like, why does he want my information? I'll tell you. Here's why this is important. It's not the only way, but it's one of the best ways for me and our leadership team to help you identify where you're at and what next step to take. So for example, if you've not accepted Jesus yet, if you haven't said yes to following him, like we read about early on in Acts, there's your first step. Say yes to Jesus. Then what's your next step? That next step is in baptism. Like I said, we celebrate baptisms next week. If you haven't made that next step, next week is for you. We'll talk a lot about it next week. If you have questions, I get to email you, talk with you, text with you, let you know how to be ready for that next step. If your kids are asking questions, we have a kid faith class that you parents sit in with your kids. We walk you through those next steps of following Jesus and being baptized and why and what and how and all the questions that come with it. Maybe serving is that next step, right? And I'm not just talking serving here. Remember, 
the favor of all the people. It's people-focused outside of these walls. Serve Day's coming up, November 2nd. It's an opportunity for us to serve and just blitz our community for no other reason than we love Jesus and the people that God's put us around. So maybe that's the next step for you. Maybe it is serving inside these walls, serving and taking on part of the responsibility as a church family. That's a big part of it. Open house, that's an easy next step. If you've not been to an open house with me, where we talk a lot more through these mission, vision, values, and everything, there's a great next step for you. What does it look like to be part of this family? What does that even mean? Mark that on your card. Giving, what does that look like? Three services, I've never gotten hand claps on the giving part yet. I don't understand why. <laughs> Let me help you understand, though. To, to, to meet needs of other people, it requires those resources, Right? To turn on lights, it requires resources. And so it's not about help the church pay bills. Please, please never give with that heart. When we, see, when we sang, we sang it earlier, Christ is enough. In other words, you have my all. It's an opportunity for you to say, no, Jesus, you really do have my all. You've got my finances. You've got my time. You've got my effort. You've got my energy. You've got me and everything about me. That's what it's about. And then God is able to use that through the local church, do, do some incredible ministries, not just in the church, but outside the church and around the world. So maybe that's one of those next steps. A group, being in a smaller group with people to connect with and talk with. Man, there's tons of next steps. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus that is on the journey of becoming a fully follower, fully following Jesus as a church, family? Let's help each other do just that. So that's all mission stuff. That's like the big part of it, why we do what we do. The vision part of that, you hear us use this a lot, right? This is kind of the filter for everything we do, to create a place, create a church where more life change stories are written every single week. And here's why that's in there. Because I know that if you meet Jesus, he's gonna change your life for eternity and that starts right now. So we try in every single environment to give opportunities for you to meet Jesus so that he can continue week after week, change your life, change the life of your family. That's why we're all about more life change. Values, let me talk through the values real fast, and then I'll help you really understand how this all works together. Values are the things that we say are important as a church family. Now, yes, Jesus should be important, right? There's the givens, Jesus, God's word, all of those, yes. But there's a few things that us as a local church have said, here's what we're really focused on outside of the majors. So one of them, for example, would be we're for our community. That whole thing, I keep going back to it. They got favored by all the people in the community. Man, we strive to be that. We're somebody that has never stepped foot in our church would benefit from our church because we're all about Jesus and people. So we are for our community. We say this a lot, that we like to smile but prefer to laugh. And if you have experienced the grace that's only found in Jesus, you have a lot to smile and laugh about. There's so much joy found in knowing and following him. So yes, we take certain things very seriously, but the fact that you got hand clappers on a Sunday morning should prove that we don't take ourselves a little too seriously. So we smile a lot, we laugh a lot. We treat everyone like family because that's exactly how Jesus treated people. Go through the gospels, he met you right where you were at, he gave you so much love, so much grace, but also so much truth. But he started with right where people are at. That's how he came into my life, he met me right where I was at, and he's how he's met you, right where you're at. So that's how we will treat every single person that we interact with. We treat people like family. We love authenticity. Here's what this gives you and myself permission to do. Leave your mask at the door. We don't have to be perfect walking in here. Right? You, you can have a bad day. You can have a bad season. You can have a bad week. We still have a lot to be grateful for, but we can also be real and genuine and authentic with one another. It's the kind of relationship that Jesus desires with us and us with one another. 
Last one, and we've kind of hit on these, but to sum it all up, we serve, give, and invite to see more life change happen. As part of the MLC family, that's what we say is important, right? That's what we see the early church do in Acts chapter two, and it's what we continue to strive to do. So if I sum all that up, that's a lot. I know, it's like opening the fire hose, the, fire, the hydrant there. Togetherness, key word of the entire morning, togetherness is not a couple people doing everything. Togetherness is not just showing up. That's part of it. Togetherness is everyone being part of something, not just someone doing everything. And that looks different for different people in different seasons of your life. I get all that. I encourage all that. That's the way he set up the church. That's why the local church is the way it is, so that we can do things together and with one another. Over and over and over again in Acts, they, all, everyone, together, Every day, they worked together. Now, let me help you kind of, that was a very heady mission, vision, values. Let me kind of help you see it in a little bit of a different light. Dave's gonna help me out with this. Come on up here, Dave. Use your hand clappers and give Dave a big round of applause. Way to go, Dave. Not every day you get a uh, hand clapper applause, right? Thanks, Mom. Yeah, there you go. All of that from your mom. I love that. So Dave and I are friends. We've known each other for a while. You've been part of the church for a long time. In fact, he's the drummer that was drumming this morning. I guess you're a good drummer. That's great. All right, so Dave's gonna help me out. Let me help you understand what Acts 2 looked like. Right? We talked about all the, the nitty-gritty details, but here's what it actually looked like. Kind of looked like this, right? We're just sitting staring at each other. Every Sunday when you show up, this is what it feels like, where you sit in much comfortable chairs than we have, by the way. Yeah, what's up with you, that? I know, right? Three services, they couldn't get her the right chairs. You sit and you feel like sometimes you just watch, right? Let me change that perspective for you. It's not about sitting and singing and sitting and listening and sitting and watching. In fact, what we are doing in very real way is a lot what Acts chapter two, that early church did. It's not so much this relationship, but I would call it a knee to knee relationship. So turn around here, Dave. We're close, we're good friends, come on up here. Yep. All right, so what we are doing now is, is actually a knee to knee relationship or a knee to knee environment, meaning knees to knees, eyes to eyes, we have a conversation, we get to talk, and like Acts chapter two said, they devoted themselves, remember, to the apostles' teaching. That's God's word. They were able to talk about scripture, dialogue, discuss it, begin to study it. Now, I know that I talk for 99% of the time that we're together, but hopefully that you're wrestling with it. You're, you're thinking through it. You're almost chewing on it. You're writing something down to process later. You're asking questions on the way home with your kids or your spouse, or your family. You might be in a small group where you talk about it or some other content a little bit more. The idea is you have to have this kind of a relationship inside the church family so that there's discussion. Acts 2, we saw that, and we see that here as well. So that's one part of the relationship. Now, if you stand up, another part of the church dynamic and church relationship is shoulder to shoulder. This is where you're actually doing something with one another. You, that's the whole fellowship part, the eating together, the serving, serving together. Guys, if you're at Bros and Barbecue on Friday night, throwing axes and eating a hundred, it was like a 160 pound hog. It was unbelievable. So good. That shoulder to shoulder stuff, right? It's being with one another, that whole fellowship thing, that's shoulder to shoulder. The last environment that we find ourselves in, go turn around, back to back, is a back to back. Now here's the reason back to back is so important in church family, because you have somebody to support you. Like my entire weight is leaning on Dave and his weight's pushed on me. That's what it looks like to uphold one another, to support one another. Dave and I don't have to agree on everything other than Jesus, but we have unity because of that. So we support one another, we care for one another, 
We, we hold each other up and encourage one another. This is where giving comes into place because the giving is allowing this support system to happen in and outside of the church. That's this back-to-back piece. Now, let me show you what happens when you're missing one of those. If you're missing the knee-to-knee, then you feel like you're not getting anything out of church. Having the knee-to-knee allows us to dig into God's word together. So if you don't feel like you're getting anything, I would ask, are you just watching or are you truly having a knee-to-knee dialogue right now and in other environments? If you don't feel like you're connected, you're missing the shoulder-to-shoulder, If you feel like, well, I just don't know anybody, well, you need to find some shoulders to be shoulder to shoulder with. If you don't feel like anybody notices you, if you don't feel like anybody cares, well, can I encourage you, turn around again, Dave, to start here. Notice all of these are a two-way street. Have you ever tried to do a back-to-back by yourself? (laughs) Without Dave, me leaning back to, some of you have experienced that, it doesn't end well. You cannot do it on your own. You have to have somebody there supporting you and encouraging you as well. Dave, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for helping out. So make sure you're having those environments, just like in Acts chapter 2. They, all, together, all those words, they were shoulder to shoulder. They were knee to knee. They were back to back. If you're missing one of those, you're missing out. You're missing what God could truly do in your family, but also in the church family. Andy Stanley got us thinking, and I loved this quote. He said, imagine a world in which church is considered essential in the community. I love that question. Imagine what that could look like if the church was essential in every community. But I want to tweak it. I want to change it a little bit, have us think a little bit differently in our context. Imagine a world where church is considered an essential part of every family. Imagine what would begin to happen. Because when you read through Acts, all the things that they did together, those were families that did that together as well. How different would our families be? How different would my family be and your family be if we said, church is not just part of my life. No, it's an essential part of my life. And does that mean you have to be here every time the doors are open? No, that's not what I'm saying. But you're saying, no, this, this church family is not just something to show up to. This church family is just that. It is a family. So real quick, the last few minutes that we have, I want to put some names to Acts chapter 2. Because going through it, we just, like I said, they, they're all together. It's great words, but it hasn't gotten real yet. We don't have any names. So what I want to do is I want to introduce two individuals, a husband and wife, that were part of that early church that you really don't know anything about. In fact, you might have never heard of them before. Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila, they have only been mentioned in Scripture just a handful of times. Paul talks about them very, very briefly. But I want you to see what happens as he talks about them. You don't have to turn there. I'll put them on the screen for you. But in Acts chapter 18, Paul first mentions this husband and wife together. Here's what he says. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So their relationship started just because they were both tent makers. He met this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. He said, hey, we're both in the same working field, working environments. Let's hang out. Found out that they had a faith, and there Paul began to disciple them, help them take those next steps, help lead them to be a full follower of Jesus. We see them again pop up in 1 Corinthians. Paul writes about them. He says, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. Look at this. And so does the church that meets at their house. Man, that's a big jump, isn't it? To go from, well, I just met Paul and he started to share things with me to now 
they're either leading a church or they're at least hosting a church in their very home. See them taking next steps in their family's faith, but also in their, in their journey with the local church. Last one I'll read, Romans chapter 16. Paul says this to the early church in Rome. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. That's important because it's no longer co-workers as tent makers. He says, no, co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. And notice how they went all in, one step at a time. Their family and the church family. What's our key word for today? Together. Priscilla and Aquila, every time they are mentioned, just a handful of times in scripture, they're always mentioned together. It's never just Aquila, it's never just Priscilla, it's Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila. Together, as a family, said this church family is an essential part of our lives. That's how the church moved forward. It's great reading about Acts chapter two, and oh man, that's great, that's how it all started. But what keeps it going is really two things. It's the grace of God, and it's people like Priscilla and Aquila. It's the grace of God. I mean, none of this works without God moving. We could do everything and have all these programs and show up, but if God's not moving, then it's not gonna work. But the flip side is true. God might be moving like he was doing in Acts chapter two, but if you don't have people like Priscilla and Aquila that are used by God and say, this is part of who we are, not just what we do, it doesn't move either. It requires both. And Mount Lake Church, I mean, I might be naive here, we're just a perpetual optimist, but I believe that's what God is doing. Not just in our church, but in churches across the world. That God is moving, and he moves through people just like you, the Priscilla and Aquilas of our time. That say, I'll go one next step, I'll go one next step, I'll go one next step. And he uses you. So I say all of that to get to this. Thank you. Thanks for allowing God's movement to be seen in and through you. It does not happen without the grace of God and people like you. So thank you. So we put together just a short little video of some folks that have a cool perspective of what it was like coming and being part of Mountain Lake Church. So check this out and then we'll get ready for some cupcakes. I never felt like at home because my whole family is still in New York, but since moving here and starting joining Mountain Lake and our small group, like honestly, this is the first time in the 15 years that I've been in Georgia where I feel like I'm at home. Mm -hmm. And it's all because of like what Mountain Lake has done for me and my family and the community and the people I've met here. It's almost like he's preaching to me every time I go there and mm -hmm. how I can relate to that. And, and it just helped me be comfortable there and it changed my life personally, it changed my family's life. We found a place where it just felt safe. You know, you talk about kids and you want safe for them and yet here we are at, you know, 46 and 47 and we want the safe place and that's what we needed. I think after the third time of going to Mountain Lake and seeing the change in my husband, he's always had to me a tremendous faith and he's always had a very um, outgoing faith. He's not afraid to he's not afraid to let people know where he stands with God at all. Um, and to see that part of him again, it was like a light switch went back on, and he was engaged in worship. I have never felt judged, period, no. and that to me is, is amazing. I can 
worship how I want to, the way I want to, and it doesn't matter who's around. But from the moment I walked in here, I never felt anything but welcome. I could be exactly who I am. It's just like so refreshing to be who you are and not have to try and be someone else. I think it's fun. I think the kids have fun. And that to me is a new concept for church. One morning I can remember in, in Sunday school, my daughter talked about how they learned to pray. And then I let her pray that evening at dinner. And it was like, it blew me away. I mean, I never knew that my daughter had that type of relationship with, with Jesus Christ. I just, I just immediately felt that connection and I really liked the sense of community. I don't have to just show the good parts. I can be authentic and I can be open and honest with my past and or where I am, like my struggles, and I'm going to be accepted and loved regardless. Thanks for being awesome. Every single thing that you heard on that, on that video were, were folks that have started coming relatively recently and everything they said was a point back to, and again, when I say the church, remember that's you. When you hear somebody say, man, the church is really friendly, it's because you're really friendly. Man, I felt like I was loved, it was because you loved them. Everything that is talked about about our church is because of you. So thank you for being an incredible part of God's plan for reaching and loving people, to lead people to fully follow him. Last thing I wanna leave you with. Paul wrote this to the early church of Philippi, and I feel like I could take his words and, and say them to you. So I want you to hear them through, through that lens with for the, those ears. Paul's words, but if I can make them my own and speak them to you, he says this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And it doesn't matter when you started to become part of this church, right? In, in the grand scheme of things, whatever church, we're all on the same team. We're all working for the same one. It's kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused. But I feel like I can say that, that from the first day, whether it's theater days or starting today for you, that we're partners in the gospel, just like Paul talked about Priscilla and Aquila, that we are co-workers in Christ Jesus. That's what we get to do together. Verse six, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God's not done yet. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done in our families. He's not done in our community. And I believe he's most certainly not done in the life of our church family as well. So thanks to the grace of God and amazing people like you, we get to see God do something pretty cool around here. So this is us saying thank you. Thanks for being great.